Hello, everyone. Glory to God. This is the seventh installment of the Apostle Paul's letter to the, the churches at Galatia. Thanks for, for joining me. Thanks for studying the, the scriptures with me. It's been a great blessing to be able to just read through the verses with you and, and, and take our time and go through each of the, the verses verse by verse. You know, the, the thing that we're after, the, the goal that we have in mind, if you want to uh, call it that, um, isn't to, to see how quickly we can get through uh, the letter to the Galatians. We're not trying to just get through the letter so we could put a notch on our, on our performance chart and say, we read the letter to the Galatians. Um, but what we're after is we don't want to just see what Paul said to the Galatians, but we, we, we want to understand um, the, the faith that, that was in Paul's heart. We want to understand that the gospel that Paul believed in and the gospel that Paul preached. We, we want to see the foundation from which Paul built all of his doctrine on. We want to see the foundation from where he said what he said to the Galatians and why he said it that way. And so thank you so much for, for sitting with me. I know that uh, the eyes of my understanding uh, are being enlightened as, as we go through this. And so thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for um, your, your interest. If you've, if you've missed any of the, the previous, previous uh, lessons, you can find them all on the Gospel Revolution Church YouTube channel. You can also find them all on the Gospel Revolution Church uh, iTunes podcast, and you can find them on the Gospel Revolution, uh, or rather you can find them on the, the church's website at, at gospelrevolutionchurch.com, gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Uh, also, you can find um, all my notes for each of the, the lessons are available. You can find them in the comments section underneath each of the, the videos on the YouTube channel. And you can also find them on uh, the, the church's website um, underneath each of the, the individual lessons. Um, what we'll do at the, the end of the, the study is I don't know how long it'll take me. It might take me a while. Um, at the at the end of the study, we'll uh, publish a commentary um, that contains all of the notes, so you could uh, have it in in your library, and you can have it easily there to to access it um, in in the future. Um, we we also um, if you have any questions. Re regarding anything that's said in any of the lessons, um, don't keep the questions to yourself. Drop them in the, the comment section um, underneath each of the videos on YouTube. You know, you might think your questions aren't relevant or that they're, they're I know a lot of people think their questions are stupid, um, but I promise you, if you're, if you're wondering about something, probably many other people are wondering about it, and it, it can do nothing but help us uh, further be edified and further led into the, the truth that is Jesus Christ. So just drop your questions in the comment section. And what I'll do is at the end of the study, we will um, go through the questions if there are any. Um, we haven't had any, any questions uh, so far. 
So, um, man, I just pray that that means that uh, the Spirit is making the message and the words that are coming out of my mouth very clear. Um, just as a uh, an announcement, um, I'll be out of town the next couple of weeks. I'll be in, in Texas, and then I'll be in, in South Carolina. Um, and so the there'll be a... a uh, a, a waiting period, and you'll need the, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit that is patience, um, uh, because you'll go a couple weeks without getting another lesson. Thank you so much for your patience, um, and it'll be a, just a good opportunity for you to enjoy uh, the fruit of God's long-suffering in your life. But I promise um, when I get back from South Carolina, we'll pick it back up, and um, I think that uh, when the new year comes, we won't have very many delays in the Bible study. Thank you so much um, for understanding. Uh, so let, last week, we uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but the, the last lesson left off with the Apostle Paul um, telling the Galatians about the, the time where he, he confronted um, the Apostle Peter uh, to his face in, in front of all the other disciples. And um, he tells the Galatians the reason why he confronted Peter uh, to his face in front of everyone was because Peter wasn't uh, continuing in the, the truth of the gospel. Peter wasn't walking uprightly according to um, the doctrine of Christ, which doctrine said that uh, we're, we're not justified by the strength of the flesh, but we're justified uh, by the faith that was revealed in the man Jesus Christ when he called upon uh, the Father to save him from death as he was dying on the cross. Now listen, Paul, wasn't, Paul isn't telling the Galatians this because he's trying to exalt himself above Peter. He, he's not telling the Galatians this to gossip about Peter. He, he's not saying it uh, to belittle Peter or to tear Peter down in the eyes of the people. But he, he's talking, he, he's, exp, he's explaining what happened to the Galatians so that the Galatians can understand um, his knowledge and the mystery that is Christ. And so they could see that his knowledge, the, the revelation that he has of Jesus Christ, doesn't come behind any of the other apostles. The other apostles were seen to be pillars in the eyes of, of the early church and in the eyes of, of people that were followers of the way that was revealed in Jesus. And, and Paul wanted these Galatians to know that um, he was on equal footing with those guys, that he didn't come behind those guys, and um, that uh, he walked in the same authority that they walked in, and, and so much so that um, he, he even uh, confronted Peter when Peter was, wasn't walking uprightly according to the truth. Now, Paul isn't just coming out with this out of the blue. He's not like, look at me. He, he's bringing this up for a couple of reasons. He, he, he's specifically addressing accusations against his uh, knowledge and the mystery of Christ and against his um, authority as, as an apostle, as one sent specifically by God. He's specifically addressing those accusations, and that's why he, he goes into this example. And uh, he, he's also bringing... He's, well, he's not bringing that up, but he, as we'll see in a second, he, he's also going, uh, he's going further into it 
to, to continue to establish um, something he said in, in chapter 1. And so we'll just pick it up um, in chapter 2. And uh, I'm thinking we will get through the end of chapter 2 here and um, pick it up with chapter 3 the next time we meet. Um, the end of Galatians 2. Let's see. We I think we left off um, with verse 17. Um, Paul says, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. A transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. I love this verse. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Um, I think verse 20, I could spend my whole life just, just talking um, about uh, that, that verse. Uh, but in the context of what Paul's saying there at the end of, of chapter 2, um, when, he, when he talks about a sinner uh, in the context there, a sinner would be someone who is uh, looking to be a partaker of the, the blessing of life by performing the works of the law. So when he says, if, if, if I am found to be a sinner, he's, he's referring back to, to Peter, where Peter was living as if justification was found in the strength of the flesh or living according to a Jewish person um, and, and performing the works of the law. So when he says, if I am found to be a sinner, that's the context he's saying it. Uh, in. And so a sinner to Paul in this instance is, is someone who is sowing the, the strength in their own hand to try and reap the fruit of God's life. So they're, they're as Paul would say later in, in Galatians 6, they're sowing to the flesh. And the way that you sow, you sow to the flesh is you sow the strength in your hand toward the end of trying to reap the blessing of life or reap the, the fruit of God's life. And so, um, like I just said, Paul is, is also, he's reinforcing what he said back in, in verse 1, when he said, whether he or an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, or the gospel of, of the grace that has come to us in Christ, um, let that message be accursed in, in your eyes. He, he's, he's referencing, he's, he's also referencing back to something like that, or, or back to that point that he made in chapter 1 when he brings up the instance with Peter. Um, and the reason he's bringing it up is he, he doesn't, he wants the Galatians' understanding of the gospel to be uh, firm and to be built upon a rock and no longer be able to be, to be swayed to and fro. He doesn't want to have to come along and find the Galatians again, having been uh, led, led away from the gospel. And so Paul takes this line of thought um, with the Galatians, and he, he brings up the, the line of thought, what are we to make 
uh, of the fact that Peter walked out of the way. You know, Peter was uh, preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and walking uprightly according to the truth. He, he, had, he had abandoned or laid down the life where he was seeking to be justified by performing the works of the law, and he was living in the world seeking to be justified uh, by the faith that came in, in Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, he, he, uh, he pulls away from that. And he, he, when the, the, the Judaizers came from Jerusalem, he withdrew from the Gentiles as if now justification was found um, in, in performing the, the works of the law. So Paul says, what are we to make of that? Moreover, what are we to make of Peter's dissimulation? How are we to interpret it if, if people like myself or, or people like Peter, people who are pillars uh, in the church, people who were previously teaching that uh, a person can't be justified by performing the works of the law, um, what are we to make of it if those same people are then seen to be compelling people to perform the works of the law to be justified? What are we, what are we to conclude about that? Should we in, interpret it to mean that it's Christ now that's compelling us to perform of the works of the law to be justified? And he, he comes and says, certainly not. God forbid. That's what God forbid means. Certainly not. Paul says, let us never confuse that kind of teaching with the doctrine that has come from Christ. Paul says, even should we, people like myself, people like Peter, people who, who understand that no flesh is justified by performing the works of the law. Even if we ourselves, those who are pillars in the church, if we ourselves are found to be rebuilding the doctrine uh, that we once torn down, teaching the commandments of men as if they, that was the word of God, telling people the power to be justified is contained in the strength of the flesh, to perform the works of the law. If, if we ourselves are found to be in that place, don't confuse what we're saying with the message of Christ. Don't look at, at us, um, at, don't look at us in the light of seeing that, well, before we were preaching uh, Christ and, and now that we've changed, it must be that the, 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 the new message we're teaching is the message of Christ. Don't, don't hear what we are saying if we go back to uh, the doctrine of justification by the works of the law, don't hear what we're saying as if that doctrine has come from Jesus himself. Christ would never minister that kind of teaching to you. As the letter of James says, God can't be tempted with evil, neither can he tempt no man with evil. God could never come and minister a teaching to someone where that teaching says to them that they can be justified through their own works or they could be justified by performing the works of the law. God could never minister that kind of a message to you. And since Christ is uh, the, the great rabbi, he is God's rabbi. He is the one coming to teach the doctrine of God himself. What we know is God, Christ would never point you to the strength in your own hand. Christ would never teach you. Christ's message would never teach you that you can be justified by performing the works of the law. That's why Jesus himself says in the gospel of Matthew uh, to come unto him and to take his yoke upon you, which means to take his doctrine upon you. And he says, because he is full of meekness, 
What it means that he's full of meekness is that his doctrine makes little of the works that man can perform, and his doctrine makes everything of the strength in God's hand and the work that God has performed to justify you with life. And so Paul says, listen, man, if myself or Peter or any of the other apostles or anybody else that's a pillar in the church, if we, if, if we go back to seeking to be justified by performing the works of the law, it, it, it isn't because Christ has taken us there. It isn't because we've been led by the Spirit of God. Okay, if we, whether it be myself or Peter or any of those other apostles, are in, if we are in the place where we're compelling people to live like the Jews were living before Christ comes, and we're in the place where we're saying justification is found in performing the works of the law, listen, don't be confused with what you are hearing. It's not a sign that Christ wants you to perform the works of the law to be justified. What it's a sign of, if, you, if there's a sign there to be seen, it's a sign that we ourselves are not up, walking uprightly according to the gospel truth. If there's a sign there to be seen, the sign is that we ourselves um, are, are transgressors of the truth that was revealed in Christ. And so if we rebuild again the doctrine that says that uh, a person can be justified by performing the works of the law, it's not a sign that that's what Christ is teaching you. What it's a sign of is that we ourselves are sinners, meaning that we are transgressing the faith that was revealed through the man, Christ Jesus. You know, I, in my own life, um, when we started the church 10 years ago, um, I told all of the people, if there ever came a day where I started telling them that uh, the power to attain to the blessing of life and the, the power to be justified um, with life was found in th them performing the works of the law, if it was found in them tithing 10% or it's found in them uh, performing some ministry for the church or, or serving the vision of the church, if that's the power unto them having um, the blessing of life uh, poured on them, that they should all run for the door. I, I mean, I told them all, listen, man, if I ever start to say that kind of a thing, don't follow me because I'm no longer following Jesus. If I start to say that kind of a thing, don't confuse what I'm saying as if it's come from above, from the doctrine of God and the mouth of, of Jesus Christ, but rather interpret it to mean that I've lost the plot, that I'm now transgressing the gospel. And don't now try to conform to that message. Rather, recognize that I'm a transgressor and run for the door. <laughs> and what I said to him is, is only, this only what I ask of you, is that uh, man, pick straws, or draw straws, or, or whatever it is you like, but uh, man, uh, I pray that you love me enough that one of you on your way out the door stops and preaches the gospel to me and tells me that I've lost the plot and that um, I'm walking in my own good works and I'm no longer walking uh, in the good work of God. So those of you that, that listen to me um, or that uh, have received any benefit from my teaching, if I myself start to rebuild the doctrine that, that justification is, is found in the strength of the flesh to perform the works of the law, 
if I start teaching some doctrine that justification is found in the good life you can gather to yourself by the strength in, in your own hand. Listen, there's one conclusion for you to make, and that conclusion is that I'm transgressing the doctrine that Christ taught. That's the only thing to think. Um, verse 19 and 20, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, obviously, Christ, uh, present tense, past, present, and future, loves you. Uh, but Paul's talking about um, Christ on the cross laid down his life uh, at that moment uh, in the past on the cross because he loved us in that place. His heart was filled with love for us. Now, um, this is some interesting uh, words that, that Paul uses here, um, and it would, it would really behoove us to, to sit and think about it and, and talk with God about it and uh, consider everything that I'm about to say. But when, when Paul says he's dead to the law, what, what he's trying to say is he's no longer living in the world trying to be justified by performing the works of the law. So when he says he's dead to the law, he could just as easily say, I'm dead to the kind of life where I thought I could attain to the blessing of life by performing the, the works of the law. And he says something interesting there. He, he says it's, it's actually through the law that I'm now dead to the law. He, it's, it's, he says it's because of what's written in the law that I stopped seeking to be justified by performing the works of the law. It's what the law actually says that, that caused me to stop living in the world trying to be justified by the works of the law. If you look in Galatians chapter 3, Paul says the law was a schoolmaster. And the way it was a schoolmaster to us is that it was pointing us to Christ. And so we can be justified by faith and not by our own works. So Paul says, I see the law was actually always pointing to justification by faith. And so through what the law was pointing to, I'm now living in the world dead to the kind of life where I'm trying to be justified by my own strength, by my own, the, own, my, the, the works I can do myself. Um, I'm dead to the life of, of trying to be justified by performing the works of the law. And, and this goes back to when Paul encountered the glorified man Jesus on the road to Damascus, when w something powerful happened in Paul. You know, when, when, when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, the glorified man Jesus, and Paul was made blind, it's not that God struck Paul with blindness. It's that there was a veil already on Paul's heart when, when he read the law and just in his overall sight. And that's why when he, the glorified man Jesus appeared to Paul, and Paul is in the presence of the glorified man Jesus, he was blind, or his blindness was made manifest. It's not that God struck him with blindness. It's that Paul was blind. There was a veil on his heart when he read the law, and so he never could see what the law said. And then when Christ appeared, uh, what was in Paul's heart was made manifest there, because all things are made manifest in the presence uh, of the truth. 
And so what, what happened when Paul encountered the glorified man Jesus on the road to Damascus and in the days that ensued there is that the veil was removed from Paul's heart. There, there was no longer a veil over his heart when he read Moses. He, he saw, I mean, his sight was restored and he, he no longer read the law according to the, the carnal mind. He, never, he no longer read the law according to the letter of what was written there, but he saw the law according to the spirit. He saw that the Lord Jesus was the spirit of what was contained in the law. And so what he saw about the law uh, when the veil was removed is that the law was always pointing to the promised seed and how God would justify mankind with his life through faith in the promised seed. And so Paul looked at the words of the law and he saw that the law was actually saying, uh, he saw that the law was actually teaching that no flesh can be justified with life uh, through its own strength to touch not, taste not, handle not. And so when Paul says he's dead to the law, it means he's no longer seeking to be justified by performing the works of the law. Paul saw the law was pointing to the faith that would come in Jesus. He saw there was a faith being revealed in the Son of God on the cross. He saw the belief in Jesus' heart on the cross was the power to be clothed in the very life and immortality of God. He saw Jesus inherited the very life of God when Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross and he could do no works. And the way it happened, the way that Jesus was justified with life when he was on the cross was by Jesus simply committing his desire for life into the strength of the Father's hand. He saw that Jesus on the cross saw that the Father's eyes were filled with love and compassion and mercy for him. And so he saw that there was only loving kindness in the Father towards him. And he saw that the Father possessed a grace in his hand to raise him up out of the grave and free from the body of death and to clothe upon him with a body uh, that's, uh, that consists of incorruptible flesh. And because of that, Jesus committed his desire for life into the Father's hand. And so Paul says he was crucified with Christ. It's not just a mystical thing that Paul's talking about in that verse when he says he was crucified with Christ. He, he's not just talking about the exact moment in time where Jesus died on the cross and divorced mankind um, from, or di divorced the world from the sin of Adam. He's, he's not talking about that exact moment in time. What Paul's talking about there is that Paul's talking about the belief in his heart. When he says he's crucified with Christ, Paul's saying the belief that's in his heart has been made conformable to the faith that was in the heart of Jesus as Jesus was on the cross. It's, it's actually quite a practical thing that Paul's getting at there. He's talking about his entire view of life and the way he lives and moves and has his being in this world having completely changed and been flipped upside down by the faith he saw in Jesus when Jesus gave his life for us because he loves us. That's why Paul goes on to say the life he lives now in the flesh, he lives by the faith of the Son of God. 
what, what Paul's getting at when he says he was crucified with Christ is that he walks by faith now and not by sight. That's what he's getting at. Through the law pointing to Christ, Paul says he was a partaker with Jesus in his faith. Paul was intimate with the faith in Jesus' heart when Jesus was on the cross. And what Paul's saying there is through intimacy with the faith in Jesus' heart as Jesus was being crucified, Paul says he was crucified with him. He partook with Jesus in the same thing that was going on inside of his heart when he was being crucified. Paul says, I partook with him in that very thing. And what he means by that is his life was born from the same faith that was in Jesus's heart on the cross. And so Paul says, the law pointed me to Christ. And then as I started looking at Christ, I see the faith that was in Christ's heart. And now the life that I'm living in this world has been born from the very faith that was in the Son of God's heart as he was dying on the cross, laying down his life for mine. I'm no longer living in the world trying to be justified by the strength of the flesh to perform the works of the law. I've been crucified with Christ, man. I've laid down the kind of life where I'm living by the sweat of my brow. And I see that God has come and picked up my life and hid my life with himself through Christ. And now I'm living in this life, or I'm living in this world, uh, beholding my life in Jesus. And so Paul, what Paul saw was, there's a reason that Jesus was crucified on the cross. And Paul saw that Jesus was crucified because he laid down the life he had from the world. I mean, there's a certain sequence of events that resulted in Jesus being crucified. He didn't seek to preserve his own life. Um, and the reason he, he didn't seek to preserve his own life is because he laid down the life that he had from the world. And so Paul saw that, and he saw that Jesus wasn't conformed to the wisdom of the world. He, he saw that Jesus didn't seek to be justified by the, str the strength of the flesh. flesh. He saw Jesus, and he's thinking about his own life and how he's all the time trying to be justified uh, by the, the performing the works of the law and by the good life he could gather to himself. But then he, he sees Jesus, and he sees that, that Jesus didn't lift one finger to clothe upon himself. Jesus didn't lift one finger to uh, to clothe upon himself with the fruit of God's life. He, he looks at Jesus, and, and Jesus didn't look to the strength of, of the flesh when he was on the cross. Jesus didn't look to the strength of the flesh or the strength in the world for uh, the comfort and the peace and the love and the joy that he needed because he didn't see that the world or the strength in his own hand had the power to serve him with those things. And so Paul saw that, that Jesus sought the strength in the Father's hand. And Paul, when he says he was crucified with Christ, Paul's saying that he had communion with Jesus in that faith. Paul saw the elementary principles of touch not, taste not, handle not, could never satisfy his flesh with life. And, and, and so Paul looked at the strength in his flesh, and he saw, well, I see the strength that's there. There is a strength that's there. I mean, I was circumcised 
the the eighth day um, of the stock of the stock of Israel. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the the tribe of Benjamin, uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, uh, touching the righteousness that's contained in performing the works of the law. Listen, I was blameless, and so Paul sees there's a strength there, but Paul saw the excellency of what was revealed in Christ Jesus. He put the strength that he saw contained in his own flesh and he, the, the strength that he saw contained in his own works, and he put that next to the excellency of what he saw revealed in Christ Jesus. And uh, he put it next to the knowledge uh, that was revealed in the Son of God on the cross, and what he saw there was the knowledge of the knowledge that was revealed in the Son of God on the cross was that was the power unto intimacy with uh, resurrection life. And so, what Paul did is he is he fellowshiped with the sufferings of Christ. He counted the strength in his flesh and the the works of his of his own of his own hands as powerless to satisfy his desire for life. That's what it means to fellowship with the sufferings of Jesus. Jesus looked at the strength of, in his own works and the strength of his flesh, and he counted that strength as powerless to satisfy his desire for life. And because of that, he committed his desire for life into the hands of the Father. And so Paul says, I had fellowship with the heart of Jesus while he was suffering on the cross at the hands of death, desiring life. And I was intimate with the same belief he had in his heart. He, Jesus counted the strength in his flesh and the works of his hands as powerless to satisfy his desire for life. And just as Jesus laid down the life he could gain from the world because of the glory that was set before him, man, Paul comes and says, I laid down the life that I could gain from the world and from performing the works of the law so that I could be intimate with the power of Jesus's resurrection life instead of my intimacy being with the strength that's in the world. That's what Paul's getting at when he says that he's crucified with Christ, when he says that he's dead to the law, uh, through the law. That's what he's getting at there. Um, he, the, the, I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, I don't want to bemoan the point, um, but I do want to bemoan the point. Because we're, we're not trying to hurry through the point. And I just want to bring the, the heart of Paul out into the open here. Paul I was, says, I was crucified with Christ. And if you combine his letters and the things he says in other places, he, he's, he talks about all these things everywhere. And, and so Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. I see that no flesh can boast of itself and the strength that it's brought forth itself and the life that it's, it can bring forth itself. No flesh can boast in that in the presence of God. I see that, that justification isn't found in being wise according to the flesh. It, it isn't found in, in being mighty or having nobility according to the flesh. And because I saw that, man, just as Christ laid down his life, when he saw that same thing, listen, man, I also laid down the life I could gain from the world and the life I could gain from the elementary principles of touch not, taste not, handle not. As, as Paul goes on to say in Romans 12, 
He, he became a living sacrifice. That's what, he, that's what he's saying when he says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He says, I became a living sacrifice. His life was transformed by the mind of Christ. He says, yes, I was crucified with Christ. Yes, I died with Christ unto sin and unto the death that's in the world that was stinging me with fear. Nevertheless, here I am. I'm still living. I'm still alive in this world. And the thing that's changed for me, the thing that's happened is that the belief that was in my heart, the wisdom I was living by as I walked in this world has been flipped upside down and it's completely changed. What's happened to me is that now what I'm living in the world by the faith that was revealed in the Son of God instead of living in the world by the elementary principle of thinking that I can build myself a good life through touch not, taste not, handle not. I'm living in this world and faith has become my sight now. Yes, I, I may be living in this world still, but I'm not beholding my life in the world. I'm beholding my life in Jesus, who was raised from the dead, never to be able to die again by the love that the Father felt for all people, I, by the love that the Father felt for mankind. I know many times, guys, we, we can think that, that Jesus was raised from the dead by the love that the Father has for Jesus. And, and yes, that's true, but listen, man, uh, Jesus prayed at the beginning of John 17 that uh, he said that he has authority over all flesh, and he prayed that we would see that uh, the love the Father has for him is the same love that the Father has for all of us. And so, yes, uh, G the Father raised Jesus from the dead because the Father loved Jesus. Well, we're not just supposed to see that. What we're also supposed to see is that the reason G God raised Jesus from the dead is because God loves us. The reason God raised Jesus from the dead is because God loves you. Hallelujah. And that's why he came and claimed Jesus, who was the son of man, uh, from the grave and sat him at his right hand, never to be able to be touched by sin and death again. And so Paul says, I live my life in the world, beholding myself in the face of Jesus. And now the life I live in the world it's, it's not shaped by my own strength, but it's shaped by the strength in God's hand and the love that he feels in his heart for me. And so before faith came, Paul's life was intertwined with the world. And because of that, the power behind his life as he walked in the world was the strength in his own hand and the life he had from the world. So the, he derived his strength from the life that he saw around him in the world and the life he saw he had in himself, that's where he derived his strength. That was the power behind um, everything he did as he lived in the world. But then faith came in the person of Jesus. And when faith came, Paul saw that his life was liberated from the world he saw that his life was liberated from being held by the death in the world. He saw that his life was no longer but dust and subject to corruption. Uh, he saw that his, his life, even though he walked in a world where there was moth and rust, he saw that the life he had, even in this earthen vessel, was a treasure. 
he saw that that life that he had, even in this earthen vessel, even in the world where there was moth and rust, he saw that the life he had wasn't able to be corrupted by the moth and the rust that was in the world. So yeah, he was still living in the world, but he was not living, um, or the, he saw that the life that he had wasn't of the world. He saw that his life was no longer hid in the world. He saw his life was hid with God in Christ, and he saw it was hid there by God's doing. He saw that God hid his life there by raising Jesus from the dead, and that, the, that God raised Jesus from the dead, not by the good works which Jesus did, he didn't raise Jesus from the dead because Jesus performed the works of the law. He didn't raise Jesus from the dead because uh, Jesus loved perfectly. Rather, he raised Jesus from the dead because he felt love in his heart for mankind and because Jesus, as a man, uh, believed in the Father's love for him and rested in the Father's love for him. That's why Jesus was justified. That's why uh, that was the power behind God hiding Paul's life with himself in Christ. And so that's what Paul saw there. And uh, because of, of all that, he, he lived in the world knowing that the, the power behind his life as he walked in the world was the very life of Christ himself, a life that, that is without beginning or end, an indestructible life, a life that even swallows the grave, a life that swallows death, a life that uh, brings forth order even out of the midst of chaos, a life that is so much that it fills all the dry places, a life that it is so much that it separates the darkness and it removes the darkness to the uttermost, a life that is so great that it can even eradicate sin and death from the flesh. So Paul walked in the world, uh, still in the world, and, and still being in an earthen vessel, but he lived in the world knowing the life he had inside of this earthen vessel is the very life that created all things out of nothing. And so that, listen, man, you walk in the world knowing the life that you have even in this earthen vessel is the very life from which all things were made and all things that exist uh, came to have their existence. Listen, man, you'll find your life animated by the strength of God instead of the strength in your own hand and the strength that's in the world. And so verse, let's see, where do we leave off? Paul finishes up chapter 2 by saying, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And we'll, we'll finish up with, with this verse. And in the context of, of what Paul is, is saying there, I mean, the word righteousness can mean a lot of different things depending on where it's used in the Bible, depending on the context. Um, listen, it's wonderful to just look up the meanings of words and to see what words in the Greek and in the Hebrew mean. Um, but you don't want to build all of your exegesis on that kind of a thing. You want one of the primary tools you use when you interpret Scripture to be context also. You mix contextual interpretation with the understanding of what the words mean in Hebrew and Greek. So in the context of what Paul's saying there, um, the righteousness he, he, he mentions there is specifically talking about the strength that can cause a person to inherit the, the kingdom of God. 
The word righteousness there is talking about the equitable deed that can be performed to attain to the abundant life. That that's what he he's referencing there. It's kind of like with with Jesus um, in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, "Unless you seek a righteousness that is greater than the righteousness the scribes and Pharisees are seeking, you shall by no means inherit the kingdom." Of heaven. What he's saying there, unless the strength you're seeking to attain to the kingdom of heaven is greater than the strength the scribes and Pharisees are looking to, to attain to the kingdom of heaven, you're not going to inherit the earth. You're not going to inherit um, the, the kingdom of heaven. So, so in Paul's explanation there to the Galatians, um, he, he, he says, if, if we think the righteousness that can deliver us from death, remember, he, he, he started off in chapter one about how uh, we were delivered from this pe- present evil age, which means delivered from the world wherein there's death uh, by Christ shedding his blood. Paul comes and, and finishes chapter two by saying, if we think the righteousness that can deliver us from death and justify us with the blessing of life is contained in, in performing the, the works of the law, Man, we are setting the death of Jesus aside. And what we're doing is we're making the grace that is in his faith of no effect in our lives. If, if we think that we can, uh, that, that we can be, the, that the death that's in our, our mortal bodies, if we think the, 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 the sin that's uh, clothed our, our bodies in death can be eradicated, um, by performing the works of the law, then we're setting the death of Jesus aside and we're making the strength because there's a strength contained for you inside of the faith that was revealed in Jesus. In fact, the power uh, uh, the power of God to bring forth his life, the strength that's contained uh, in God to bring forth his life, the place that it's contained is the faith that was revealed in Jesus Christ. That's where the strength is contained. And if we now going to uh, live as if we can be justified by performing the works of the law, we are setting aside the, the cross of Christ and we're setting aside the faith that was revealed in him. And, and if we're doing that, then we're making the grace of God of no effect in our lives. Paul, I think it's Galatians chapter two. I'll put it in the notes. I'll go back and look, but I think it's Galatians chapter two, um, verse 11, that, that Paul says we are circumcised. Let me just look there real quick. Let me just look. I want to quote it properly. Yeah, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Listen, there's a whole lot of uh, words going on there. There's a whole lot of power. I mean, Paul basically wrote a couple books just in, in a couple of sentences. Um, but he comes and says there that we're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And so what he's saying there is Christ died on the cross. There's a specific reason he died on the cross. It wasn't for theatrics. It wasn't for a fireworks show. It wasn't to be dramatic. 
God isn't a drama queen, and he wasn't just trying to be dramatic in making a point. There is an actual physical necessity for Jesus to have died on the cross. And what Paul's getting at is that the reason Christ died on the cross was so we could put off the body of the sins of the flesh. Now listen, I know we've lived our lives all the time thinking that the word sin is about our behavior. And that's, listen, there are, the scriptures do talk about the works of the flesh, and the works of the flesh are the fruit of the body of sin. And that body trying to uh, till itself or work itself to produce life. But when Paul talks about putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, the sins of the flesh that he's talking about there is that this flesh missed the mark of eternal life and is dying. So putting off the body of the sins of the flesh means to put off the body that is dying or to be circumcised or to have our lives separated from the body that is dying, where we're no longer braided together with the death that's manifested in these bodies that we have now, these earthen vessels. He's talking about how it's through Christ dying on the cross that we were circumcised from the body of death. And so someone may, may, may say to me that we must perform the works of the law to be sanctified from sin, and that we must perform the works of the law to attain to the blessing of life. And what I'll say to them, I'll say to them, listen, you may not understand this, but what you are saying in making that statement is that the death of Jesus was not really needed. I mean, if we can put off the body of sin through the works of the law, let's think about what we're saying there. If we... If we can circumcise ourselves from the body that is dying through the strength that we possess to perform the works of the law, listen, that means Christ died for nothing, right? That means it was just for theatrics. It was because God likes a good drama is what we're saying. And I mean, listen, if, if I, I mean, if I can just think about it my, myself, it, it sounds so ridiculous. And I want to say it this way. So we can see how ridiculous it is to think that we can be justified by performing the works of the law. What, what it means is that we're saying that I can circumcise myself from the body of sin. And if, if, I, if I say that, if I say I can circumcise myself from the body of sin, if I can come and condemn the death that's in my flesh by performing the works of the law, then I was never in need of Jesus laying down his life for mine. That's what it would mean. But if you remember, I think it, it's in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, he comes and says that the law could not condemn sin in the flesh. And it's the same kind of language he's using there. He's saying you could not be circumcised from the body of the sins of the flesh. He's saying you could not be circumcised from the body of sin. You could not be divorced or separated from the body of death that sin built for us. You could not be circumcised from that body through the works of the law. And he says the reason why you couldn't be circumcised from the body of, of the sins of the flesh through the works of the law is because of the weakness in the flesh to produce the life of God. 
He says, your flesh was never created with the strength to be able to clothe upon itself with life. And so your strength to perform the works of the law can never eradicate sin and death from your flesh. And because of that, Jesus was put to death in the flesh so that through Jesus dying on the cross and taking the wages of our sin into himself, God could come and condemn sin in the flesh by condemning the death that was manifesting in our bodies. So you want to see the death of Jesus as God condemning the body of death. You want to see the death of Jesus as God circumcising us from the body of death. You want to see the death of Jesus as God's strength or God manifesting his right arm. Remember, Jesus is the right arm of God also. You want to see it as God manifesting his right arm to circumcise us from the body that was dying. And so Paul, you know, in, in Paul's theology and, and what he's trying to express to the Galatians, we could say it this way, that, that God sits with a desire to deliver us from death. God sits with a desire to deliver you from death. And he sits with a desire to decorate you in his life. His desire is to justify you with his life. He comes in, he, he's not trying to uh, justify you with life so you can be, uh, so you can be acceptable to him. He, he's trying to justify you with his life so that when you stand in his presence, your heart can be persuaded that uh, he's happy with what he sees when he looks at you. And what he says is that God did a work in Christ. God sowed his strength into the earth through Christ. He's saying there is strength for you. The strength that you need is found in what God has done. The grace that is needed for you to be delivered from the fear of death and for you to be filled with the peace and the love and the joy and the rest that you desire, uh, that the, the strength that is needed for all those things you long for, man, it's actually contained in what God has done in Christ. That's where the strength is found. It ain't found in performing the works of the law. And so if you go searching for the strength that can serve you with life in the works of the law, you're not going to find it there because that's not where it's at. And if you go looking for it there, you're going to make the strength that God sowed into the earth to justify you with life. You're going to make it powerless to uh, manifest the life of God. You're going to make it powerless in your life. And so that's why Paul comes and says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. The word frustrate means to render something powerless in your life. And so Paul would be uh, not just saying that about himself, but he would be saying it about himself as an exhortation to the Galatians. And the exhortation would be, let us not set aside what God has done in Christ. If, if, if we, if you, if you live in this world thinking the power to attain to the blessing of life is, is contained in, in performing the works of the law, and it's contained in, in the good you can gain from, from this world. Listen, don't be confused. Let's call it what it is. If that's how you're living in this world, man, you're making flesh your arm. As Jeremiah 17 says, 
you're, you're, you're looking to the strength in a man's hand. And what you're doing is you're sowing the strength contained in your own hand, thinking your own hand uh, has the, the power to feed you with life. And what that will do is it will make the strength in God's hand powerless to bring forth his life in you. You cannot reap the, the fruit that comes from the work that God has sowed into the earth if you're trying to reap the fruit of God's life by sowing your own good works into the earth. It, it doesn't work that way. Again, as Paul says in Galatians 6, that he who sows to the Spirit will from that Spirit reap uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and he who sows to the flesh will from uh, that flesh reap destruction. W what it means there is, Paul, sa Paul is saying, listen, to sow to the flesh means to look at the strength in your own hand and to put that strength to work to try to gather life to yourself. And Paul says you can't put the strength in your hand to work thinking that through that strength, you're going to reap the fruit of God's life. And if you put the strength in your own hand to work, to try to reap the fruit of God's life, listen, the strength in your hand, because it doesn't have God's life, it, it has death. What you're going to reap is destruction, and you're going to reap the works of the flesh if, if that's how you live, right? And so he says, listen, I, I see clearly that the power to be justified with life, the power to uh, find the fruit of the Spirit permeating my heart, the power to find rest for my soul is clearly contained in uh, the work God has done in Christ. And I'm not going to make that powerless in my life. I'm, I'm living in this world, walking in the good work of God instead of walking in my own good works. Glory to God. And we'll, we'll, we'll finish there. Um, thank you uh, for your time. And we'll reconvene in a, a couple of weeks and, and pick it up with uh, chapter three. Uh, God bless you. God bless your family. And uh, may, you, may you live every day in this world knowing how precious you are to God um, and, and, and knowing the love he has in his heart for you.